everybody. Welcome to another CornerCast podcast here on casterscorner.com. I am your host, Khalil, and tonight we have a really... <laughs> this podcast probably could have gone on for hours. I had so many questions. I hope you guys find it as informative um, as I did, and we definitely will have our guests back for another episode because I have a lot more questions. And actually, we'll probably ask for some submitted questions. Um because I think it's something that um, I think it's something that people who collect toys and that open them and put them up on their shelves. I think that this is there's a great value in the service of that our guest provides, and I'm I'm being very vague um, before I introduce our guest. So this week on the Cornercast podcast, we have our new friend Vincent um, from Vasco Toys, and Vasco Toys does uh, action figure diorama and props. Um. And I think that uh, throughout the episode, we got to know Vincent pretty well. I, he's a great guy. Like, it was just so much fun talking to him. And also, like, learning about the process and his process of opening up the toy, the the store, um, selling custom, uh, custom dioramas, uh, the work that he goes into it. And he says that he's not... Um, like it isn't like a graphic artist necessarily, but the, I, I saw some of the drawings he showed me of his sketches of what he's going to do. And he, his artistic ability is at least in my opinion, off the charts. I certainly don't think I could, um, do what he does. Uh, it's just, and the patience and the time it takes, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Um, you can check out Vincent um, at Vasco Toys, um, V-A-S-C-O-T-O-Y-S on Instagram. There is a link tree uh, there for his other links. He is also on YouTube um, and also on eBay um, with some of the extra pieces he has um, or things he hasn't sold yet. Um, and on, on, on eBay, he is V-A-S-C-O-48 underscore S-C. Um, and so you can check out him on YouTube and Instagram and it really was a really great conversation and, and he talks about, you know, putting them together and creating them and, um, his, you know, where his interests lie you can see it's very heavily influenced by X-Men and Spider-Man, the animated series. And I think he's branching out too. He, you know, he does do, um, the diorama pieces, but he's also doing some backgrounds for some photography and I think the way he mixes the two mediums, the backgrounds and the diorama pieces, create some of these great scenes. Um, his brickwork is amazing. I, I look forward to learning from him as well as possibly maybe at some point when I have some space and room and a little extra cash being able to, you know, go into um, and getting some of his work. I think I, I think it would it would only benefit um benefit my photography and and my displays for sure um and i think the other thing we talked about is the value and i think that that's a really important piece and i hope it came across in the podcast and talking to him of the time the effort um and the work that goes into creating these three-dimensional diorama spaces for your action figures he puts a lot of time and care into them and um if we were to be freelance workers at our day jobs and did that work, I think we would expect the same in return. So I think that looking at all those pieces, I think you get a really good piece at everything that goes into the art of it because it is art hundred percent. It is a work of art. Some of the stuff he's doing with foam and different mediums and 3d prints and stuff like that. So, um, 
yeah, I, I got to the end of the hour. We were supposed to do about 30 minutes and it turned into about an hour and I got to the end of the hour and I'm like, Oh God, I have so many more questions. So, um, and I want to talk about so many different things. So I, I you know, we'll definitely have Vincent back. It, it was a joy and a pleasure to talk to him. Um, so make sure to go support him. Uh, he is at Vasco toys, V A S C O T O Y S on Instagram. And he's got a link tree there to everything. Um, Thank you guys for also supporting the site and the podcast. It's been great. Oops, sorry. It has been great um, to see our YouTube channel grow with our toy of the day. Um, May the 4th be with you for this week. Uh, We're going to be looking at all Star Wars stuff this week, of course. Um, And uh, and follow us. We are at Caster's Corner on all social media. Go to casterscorner.com and subscribe to this podcast. If you like it, if you enjoy it, share it. Uh, rate it, review it, uh, subscribe to it, pass it along to somebody. Um, as I've been saying on the YouTube channel, the more of you that subscribe, the more cool things we get to do and we get to share them with you. And I think that that's really um, the most important part of the journey that that we're taking with this website, that I'm taking with the website. So um, without further ado, I guess, um, make sure to support Vincent and all his work at Vasco Toys. Again, it's V-A-S-C-O-T-O-Y-S on Instagram, and you get to all his channels from there. Um, go give him a follow, go ask him questions, um, and, and, and buy some of his stuff because it is stunning and it will make your display pop. So without further ado, it is myself, it is Vincent, talking all things action figures and diorams. Enjoy it. Yeah, I. Um, how's your day? How, how's the weekend? Like with the commissions and stuff. Yeah, it's been good. Um, I usually have. So the way that I've been doing commissions that I've found and I've learned over time is the best possible situation for me. Is you know someone who has a nine to five and this is a hobby, and then I also have a wife and um, a daughter and a son on the way. So I have to. I've had to learn how to balance everything. Um, and I will say there have been times where I haven't done a good job at it. Um, but what I've gotten to now is, uh, a point where basically I do everything for the most part after everyone else is asleep. So 10 o'clock to, um, you know, later than that, (laughs) I don't want to say how, um, that's really when I work on my commission. So Friday and Saturday night, are incredibly important to me. I do do weeknight stuff too, but sometimes after, you know, a full day of everything else, it's, it's difficult to do weeknight work. I definitely do it at least a few times a week, sometimes more, but weekends are really important to me. Um, so I, I feel like what I try to do is during the day, get all my priorities, you know, taken care of family time, all that. And then nighttime, it's time to work on dios, which is really a fun thing because I get into this flow where it's just like, it feels like five minutes went by and it's been two hours just because it's so much fun. Um, So yeah, I, I, uh, it's definitely off to a good start. It's really rainy here today and I'm, I'm in right outside of Columbia, South Carolina. Um, But that won't affect me too much. I don't have anything that needs to dry in the sun today, so I should be good. Does the humidity mess with 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 some of the work you do with the painting or you know or the glue or the the paint stuff? Um, 
I know living in Connecticut during the humid months, if I was doing any kind of, I'll, I'm like being vague, but like, well, as you kind of talk about stuff, I'll get into some of the stuff I've done. Um, does, does, does any of that stuff kind of mess with you? Cause I know it's a lot more humid down there than it is up here. You know, I'm, I'm really, I've been worried about it and I've been waiting for that problem to happen. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, so this will be my first summer. We just moved into a new house in October and the, so I started doing dios in 2018 at the end of 2018, but that was just beginner pieces where I was just kind of messing around just wanting to kind of see if I could dip my toe in the water. Then 2019 was the first full year I did it 2020 and now we're in 2021. So it's the third like full year that I'm doing it. And until this October, I was just operating out of my garage at my old house. Mm -hmm. And now I I'm fortunate that the house that we bought has a detached shed. And so that's, I've taken that as my, space so that's where everything is for dios except for finished pieces i'll put in here which is like my my office but the the shed has some problems that i think could make the heat and humidity worse um so there's a couple of things the first thing would be with the foam um that shed is not properly ventilated which i am going to address soon before it gets way too hot so even if it's 75 degrees outside, it's t at least 10 degrees hotter in there. Mm -hmm. And it's so uh, palpable. Like even if you, it's, you know, it's got like a kind of a lofted ceiling, you stick your arm up, you can feel the temperature difference, like where your hand is and where mm -hmm. your lower arm is. So uh, I need to put some ventilation in there. Um, and when I say ventilation, I just really mean like two vents at each end. So the hot air can escape. And then, I did buy an air conditioner, like a portable one this year, because there's no way that I could even be in there without getting heat stroke. I could uh, imagine between the fumes and the heat, like, no. Yeah. yeah. So that is something. And then of course there is some in insulation I want to do at least on the ceiling, because if you know, right now when I use the AC in there, the few times that I have, it's fine if it's blowing directly on you, but because it's not insulated at all, it doesn't actually maintain coolness unless the AC is running. So those are, those are, you know, I kind of do worry about the hot glue because it's a low temperature hot glue. I kind of worry about the paint. Um, like I said, I haven't had problems yet, but one thing that is definitely an issue is the 3d printer filament. Mm -hmm. I cannot, if, if I'm printing something, the filament has to come off the printer every single time when I'm done. Otherwise it'll gather too much moisture and it becomes brittle and I can't use it. Um, so I would have to scrap and that's happened to me. That has happened to me before. And it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, even though, you know, filament it's the kind I get is Hatchbox and it's like $20, um, a reel, but it's just, I don't like wasting anything. So, no, I get happens, it. you know, I, but I, that I just have to take it out of there. Yeah. I um I have so many questions. I'm sorry. Like my head's going, I want to ask this, I want to ask this, I want to ask this, I want to ask this. like I've got so many because so 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 you just so you know, like I um like 10 years, Jesus, it's been like 10 years. Um 10 years ago, I was in a house and I had like a workspace and I thought um it's really weird because um 
my journey with it and photography and stuff was I feel like I've always like just missed the curve. Like I, I would figure something out or do something and then like artists and, and I say artists because I've seen the stuff that you've done, um, like jump leap ahead of me. So it's like, I'm just learning the skills here. I'm getting good at it. And then I see somebody else's work and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to catch up to that. <laughs> and so I was doing, um, a lot of dio work. I was trying to build as many as I could. I think the problem for me was I was working off like what I knew. So for, for the stuff that I see in the background, even that you have now, um, like it's all self-supporting, right? Like it all Mm kind of works together. And I think when I started doing it, people were just starting to realize that like they didn't have to be Mattel. They didn't have to be Mattel at San Diego with like these yeah. large diorama pieces or Hasbro. And so people were like, oh, pink foam. Like everybody in the action figure community knows what pink foam is now. Yeah. Um, and, and we didn't back then. It was like, where do you find it? How do you get it? And so I was building frames. So I was building wooden frames. Oh, um, wow. That would, I'll, I'll send you a picture at some point. And so I was trying to make um, like the, just, just the, base and then a background and Mm -hmm. so i was doing like caves lava stuff like that experimenting with all the different materials like i found uh spray insulation the foam stuff works really great for lava like if you just fill in gaps right if you if you if you foam out like your 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 rocks and stuff and then you just spray that into the channels that you make very lightly it'll foam and bubble to the level that you want and really make a nice flow to it because I was trying to make water um, or lava. I was trying to make something that looked a little more liquid and all the stuff was made for train diorama people. Yeah. So you'd get like this little container and it was like 40 bucks and you'd have to (laughs) melt it and it would fill like that much space. Yeah. Um, No. So, so like I, you know, it's been, it's been fun to kind of watch the the art form develop um, and see like the different ways because like the frames would take up so much space because like it's 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 like it's almost mounted on like a um, like you would frame a room right it was just right. like the wooden like thin wooden pieces and then I put the foam on top and screw it in so I had something and I was like oh I'll just put these into shelves and stuff and the storm and it, it would take so much time and then they were so unwieldy because they were so big um, yeah because i was designing for like seven inch figures i was doing masters of universe classics and and oh cool and dc collectibles and stuff so um the stuff was <coughs> created for stuff that was bigger so they were bigger and i remember i i'm just throwing out one of my first ones because I never got to finish it and it just kept falling apart because the wooden frame kept breaking the foam every time I would move it because it was too rigid with the foam. Like, um, I am nowhere at the level that you are. So, <laughs> um, but Thank like, you. it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of see the progression of that, like to see where mm-hmm. it's gone in the last 10 years. And, um, so how do you, I guess I want to know, like, how do you start with an idea or how do you, uh, yeah, uh, actually, I'll grab something real quick to show you. 
Okay, so I have two. So I don't, I don't always do this, uh, but I found that over time, you know, you just, it's crazy how much you can pick up on things that you're really interested in, in a shorter period of time. Um, and sometimes like unlikely things that I would never have thought I would wanted to learn. For example, uh, first of all, I'm, you know, I, I've never been good at math. <laughs> And, and I don't like math, but I like the fact that um, I can make things to scale. So it's, it's not hard math, but there's some small amounts of math that are involved in this. Um, so, you know, I, I think for me, part of the progression was it was all foam for a while. And then I started learning from watching things like Al Figures YouTube channel was the biggest influence on me. That watching his videos on YouTube was like a mental creative, like unlock for me. I didn't know, like I would just watch his videos and say, I, how did he make that? Like, how did he make that out of foam? He would explain it and everything, but it would still amaze me. But so when I started watching his videos, I really started to understand there's different things you can use to accent the foam. And then eventually I got the 3d printer and that was, a huge learning curve for me. And I'm, I would still consider myself very much a beginner. I've had that for probably a year and a half. Um, but that was something that caused me to have to think about things differently and challenge myself to do things that I normally wouldn't want to do. But because the goal was to get better and better with the diodes, I was interested enough to try to learn it. Um, but the question you asked is about like how I come up with these concepts and so sometimes i just make them but most of the time and definitely always when i do a commission i'll give someone a concept sketch and i don't know how well you're going to be able to see this oh no that's it there was this was a dial that did not do as a commission um i made this because i thought it would be cool and i try to make stuff that is versatile with a bunch of different things like you could do you could do star wars in here even though it's not a star wars set you could do x-men you know this actually was inspired by the crossover x episode of x-men and spider-man the animated series in the night when wolverine and spider-man have to save beast he's like gonna get thrown Mm -hmm. into that right before they get into that room the uh wolverine like kicks in this door and so I was watching that episode and I was like, I'm going to do my version of this because I couldn't do it exact. And so I just sketch it out. And this is, this one is a, is a detolf uh, piece. Size. So, yeah. So a lot of the times when I'm not doing a commission, I'll do a detolf size because I know so many people have detolfs. And also, even if they don't have a detolf, it's not going to require a huge amount of space. Um, Cause it, I always get nervous if it's not a commission I don't have the buyer up front. So there's only so much I'm willing to put into that piece without completely going overboard. Cause I don't know if someone's going to pay what I would want for it. Right. But if I doing a commission, we've already agreed, you're going to pay this much. This is what you're getting. Um, so I did do a sketch for this one, even though it wasn't a commission, but then this one I did for Jay Septicon. It's like a, it's, he, he had dope. Yes. It's a, it's a Popeyes, but like he changed the logo cause uh, he's, I guess a huge Popeyes fan and uh restaurant, you know, Popeyes chicken. 
so we ended up, you know, doing that. And so I provide him with this sketch and I tell him, you know, this is how long it's going to be, how tall there's going to be these many windows. Here's four functioning lights. Um, and then I'll tell him the cost and, and I'll say like, if you're, if you want to move forward with this, we can, or if you need to make modifications, so the budget comes down, we can do that. I try to work with people as much as possible, but then it's really nice to have a visual to work off of in the workshop to look at while I'm doing something. And even if I don't draw one, I, I have on my phone, I have an album that just has like diorama inspiration. And that can be things that I've seen in real life that I've taken pictures of, or just stuff I've Googled and said like that needs to be part of my dial yeah. or whatever it might be. So it's, it's, I, I'm a very visual uh, person, which I guess probably isn't surprising, but I need to see stuff. Yeah, um, no, I get it. it. It's it's interesting because like I my my one of the questions I was going to ask you is with working with the 3D print and and doing some of like the design work that I've seen that you've done. I was like you have to have like an art background, like a graphic design or or something because like your eye for that stuff and and the new backgrounds that you're you're working on and you're putting out there are I've got one right here. Yeah, the skyline stuff. I mean, the skyline yeah. stuff. The the rooftop picture with the skyline and Spider-Man and the Green Goblin might be one of my favorite pictures that you have because it's just such Thank a great you. mixing of of the two mediums. Um, so you have a background. I assume you have a background in graphic design? I do not um, directly. So I have, you know, over the, it's almost been a decade now, but um, I've, I'm a public relations and marketing uh, professional. Mm-hmm. So I am not a graphic designer, but I have worked hours and hours and hours alongside of graphic designers on different sorts of graphics for promotional materials and things. So I understand certain things about alignment and I have a very beginner level understanding of what to do in Photoshop and things like that. So I did create that backdrop in Photoshop and then I got it printed professionally by a local printer. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, this one back here, I'll show you real quick. This, this was insanely difficult for me to do because I'm such a beginner in Photoshop. So this, there's but a that glare. That looks great. Like, so, so what we're looking at is basically what, what I would consider a, um, a, like a Spider-Man animated series type of look at New York city with like an empire state building kind of building and like a brownstone. Yeah. And, um, that, that looks perfect. I mean, it does. And if you were to build out like that, that bottom, at the bottom, if you were to build out that ledge, um, yeah. oh, you know what that looks like? That reminds me of, um, you know, that picture of all the Spider-Man villains on top of the building, and they're all kind yeah. of like coming at you. Yeah, that's what that looks like. That building, that that background. This so a couple things on this quick, and I'm going to give a big shout out to my friend who really helped me with this. But the reason I made this, it was a part of, you can't really see it back here. I did these wall mounted dioramas that had these on them and there was a, a foam ledge kind of like yeah. a shelf and it mounts to the wall. Um, and the reason I did that was because when they announced the retro Spider-Man series, I saw those figures, especially specifically Spider-Man. And I said, you know, I've always loved Spider-Man who doesn't I'm, 
you know, and so I have to do something. I feel like I have to do something that could work with these figures. So I did like a limited pre-order of those dioramas. And I think I sold like 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because it was supposed to be around the Spider-Man wave coming out. Cause that was the first wave that I ever actually ordered the entire wave on pre-order like at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I was just like, this deserves me doing, I want to do something to kind of like celebrate this and then have a place for my figures to be. But I, I originally reached out to another diorama artist and there's the thing I love most about the diorama part of the toy community. So the diorama community is that I've found, I've been fortunate to find that everybody is pretty cool and pretty willing to help all my stuff falls down back there, pretty willing to help each other because ultimately I think the mindset is like, we're all artists and I can tell you how to do something. You still have to execute it. Right. You know, like, so me telling you how to do it is just the entry level point. Um, but so with this, with that backdrop that I just showed you, my friend Josh Green, who goes by Sage JDG on Instagram, mm-hmm. is one of the best diorama artists, in my opinion, that's out there. And there are a lot of really good ones. But Josh and I have actually met before. He lives about an hour and a half away from me. He lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we met at a trade show um, and we've been friends ever since. And uh, I reached out to him with the idea because sometimes I have a group of people that I'll go to to get opinions on things. One of them is Al Figures. Uh, He ended up mentoring me directly, like not just by watching his videos, but we kind of like became friends and he mentored me. And then I have um, a bunch of other people, one, one of whom is Josh Green that I mentioned, and then Tara Fomer as well, who a lot of people know is, again, one of the best dial artists out there. And I'm actually in a group chat with those two guys, and we just, like, bounce ideas off of each other on Instagram. And they – so Josh actually went to school for illustration. Mm-hmm. So he understands – the way that you're supposed to proportionally build um, a background for a comic book layout or things like that. And so I had come to him and I said, I think I want to do this. I originally told him I was going to try to make the buildings out of foam Mm -hmm. and just glue them to another piece of foam on the back. And he said, that would be awesome. But if you want to do the pre-order, you're going to have to make it easier to repeat than that. Why don't you just, why don't you just design it in Photoshop and have it printed? And I was like, I, I don't think I can. I don't yeah. think I have Photoshop. And so he gave me a bunch of really helpful tutorials on YouTube. And then he also, every time I had what I thought was like a good updated version, I would send it to him. And he would say, okay, that looks good, but your angles are a little off. Change the angles. Um, The colors are a little off, I think. So here's what I would do. And so he, if it wasn't for him, that would not, that piece would never have been made. And that took me, I mean, I'm being conservative, like 20 hours. Mm -hmm. It, it It was a lot of work for me to just do that one piece. This one was the other one that I showed was not nearly as complicated because it's just a silhouette. It's not, you know, all the different colors and everything that didn't take near as much time. 
but you know, Josh and, and really anybody that I feel like I've reached out to in, in the community, high school creations is another one I've become friends with and just, just a bunch of guys. Um, they're just very willing to help each other. I think, I think, I think you hit it at the beginning of that. I think what you said was, you know, they're artists, right? And so artists, I, I, I want to say artist communities are usually very like, um, helpful helpful is not the right word but they like to try to boost each other up you know share tips and tricks and like that sometimes the action figure community itself is not as welcoming because it's competition right it's like you got something that i want and you got it first now i need it and i need to have something one up on you like there's the competition piece um it's like and and looking at the work that you do like there's you know there's a there's part of me that goes I want to go in my basement and start building again. Cause I think it's been 10 years since I've put one together. Like my last one was a sewer playset that I did, um, for, for my turtle stuff. And it's great. It's down there. It's still functional. I still do pictures on it sometimes when I can get to it. Um, but it's like, I, I miss the work, but it's like, I remember how long it took to like, cause it's like muscle memory a little bit. Like as you're carving and as you're doing things, you find the little tips and things that make things quicker. And I think it would take me a while to get back into the groove of, of the, the shaping and carving of the stuff for sure. I think there would be an element of just knocking the rust off, but I'm sure once you got in there, it it wouldn't be that long before you got back, you know, all that muscle memory stuff. Um, For me, you know, one of the things that, one of the things that I've learned to do in terms of my mindset for making dioramas is that I am competing against myself. Every time I make a diorama, it has to be better than the one I just made. Mm -hmm. And so, because you will see things that other people do and you're in awe of them. And, you know, if I took the mindset of like another guy who's awesome to me and one of the best, I I keep saying this, but there's a lot of really talented people. Lawless Studios. Oh yeah. I love watching their stuff. Phenomenal artwork, phenomenal person from what my experiences, he's always been so kind and helpful. Um, I I feel like I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him. Did you see, sorry, did you see the new trees he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. He, I was, yeah. I was, I, I think I, I don't, I didn't check it because I don't get all my notifications. It's, it's weird on Instagram. I asked him if he freeformed those trees with the foam, or if he, if he used like a mold, because yeah. that stuff grows and shapes, and he didn't cut it, so it's, it's in certain shapes. I'm kind of curious. I never, I used to use um, uh, to do trees and stuff, and to do leaves like that. I would sometimes use uh, the like air conditioner filters. Oh, cool. If you, if you pull them apart, right. If you put them on a dowel and then start pulling them apart, it creates like a nest almost Yeah. that you can then spray and then flock and then, you know, make them a little more full. Um, but that stuff he's doing with foam is just, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, he, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's this weird thing where, Every time I see something he does, I'm amazed. But at the same time, I should expect it because he really is an artist. I mean, he is one, I think the, one of the standards that people try to get to, but 
the point of me bringing him up is that, you know, if I took the mindset of, I see his stuff, my stuff's not as good, then I, I, it would be very hard for me to, to have that mindset and continue on. So I sort of, you know, went to, you have to just be better than you were yesterday every time, which is a cliche, but it has helped me. And um, it's really cool to look back and see all the pieces that I've done and be able to see the progression that has happened in my opinion. And then to be able to know there were moments in time that I was doing each one of those diodes. So each one is like this timestamp of my life where you know, mm-hmm. I started this job when I was at this piece and I, you know, this happened when I was doing this piece and it's just kind of like memorializing kind of my, my life in a way. Um, and that's also the reason I started on YouTube because I wanted to be able to look back and say, you know, this was your progression of your art over, over time. And you can always tell certain things from pictures, but in the videos, I'm in the videos and then I show the pieces. It's, it's going to be cool for me when I'm old to look back and, and just see like how I was at that stage and how, and what I was doing. So that's kind of my motivation behind even starting a YouTube channel too. So, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask a real specific one. Cause I've, yeah. I, I've, I've never actually talked to somebody that's done dioramas to ask them about this, um, bricks. Cause you do some brick work that looks really yeah. good. Thank um, you. what are some of the, the ways to kind of get it down or, or, because they look pretty precise on yours. Like they look, um, really good. And, and I think it's something that looks like I've seen some people that I lawless might be one of them, um, that got a machine that will cut for them. Um, that'll cut the bricks into the foam for you. But what's your process on making some of the brickwork that you've worked on? Yeah. Um, so people do have the CNC machines. High School Creations has one. Uh, Crashbox Customs is one who he's able to put out an amazing volume of work because of the CNC machine. Uh, but he's also capable of doing all that stuff by hand too. Yeah. So. I feel like there's a progression that has to happen and it's kind of like, um, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know if this is like an old man yelling on his front porch kind of a mentality, but those guys have earned having those pieces of equipment in my mind. Yeah. They've already done everything by hand. And so it's kind of like the fundamentals of anything so I'm also a sports fan. So there's fun. I'm a huge baseball fan. There's fundamentals of baseball that are not fun to do, but you have to learn to do them so that you can actually play in the games and do what you're supposed to do. It's the same thing with dioramas. And so brickwork is something that is consistently complained about and just thought of as like, oh, brickwork. It is. But it's incredibly important to do it right because if your brick, if your brick lines are askew or are not purposefully different sizes. Cause sometimes you in brickwork, you might have a few different sizes put together, but if you didn't purposefully do that, your bricks don't look real. And if right. you're dialing, even if you're going for like a cartoon style dial, there's still an element of realism and scale that has to be accurate in order for people to believe the illusion that is action figure photography, you know? Right. So um, with me, I do it by hand. I think Lawless does it by hand too. I don't know if he, he has a CNC, but 
I use a T-square every single time. And I used to just use a regular ruler. And there was a very noticeable difference between a T-square and a regular ruler with a very sharp, newly sharpened or new X-Acto knife blade. If you don't change it very frequently, it gets like dull and it basically rips the foam instead of cutting it. Mm-hmm. That's any kind of knife um, in my in my experience. But the reason that the T-square is better than the regular ruler is because of the T part of it anchors you literally put it up against the foam and as long as that anchor piece of the foam is actually a 90 degree angle your your cuts are going to actually be 90 degree angles all the way through like your bricks are actually going to be 90 degrees because you're starting at a point that is consistent so then it's just a matter of measuring everything mm-hmm. and so i'm trying to remember off the top of my head uh I think it's for me, I do a quarter inch, um, you know, like each row, each row is a quarter inch and then each brick is, is an inch mm-hmm. apart. And then you just, and then I just, so the first one I'll start with an inch at the edge and then I'll, the next row, it'll be a half an inch. Mm-hmm. And then, so that way you get the staggered brick yeah. effect. Um, so it starts with the T-square cutting with the X-Acto knife. And then I wish I would have brought it up here, but I got this clay sculpting tool at Dollar General. Um, It was in a pack of different clay sculpting tools for like $2. And there's only really one I need that's in there. And it basically is the same thing as a lot of people use a dull pencil. You go in with that tool after you've cut the X-Acto, the lines with the X-Acto, and you dig into the foam so you further define where the grout would be in in your bricks and – you know, so then once that happens, then you have a building block of what your brick wall is going to look like. Then I take a tin ball of tin foil and I texture everything. And then I take a flathead screwdriver and I push in certain bricks. And sometimes I push in the full brick and sometimes I push in portions of the brick. Um, just because it, to me, adds a lot more intrigue to the wall, even if it's not a destroyed piece usually like sometimes you'll look at a brick building and it'll be pretty much perfect but to me they're more interesting when there's some level of small flaws or like pushed in bricks or even you know those kinds of things so so (laughs) because i've tried like I've, i've really tried and i usually default to go all right i'm gonna make it look like a castle wall because i can't do the individual bricks i'm just gonna make like random things, you know, that kind of like, um, that look a little more irregular, like that you would build from like rocks you find in a field or whatever. Um, but I, when, when I started doing it, um, everybody was doing the method where you, you make the two cuts. So you do the T square, you measure it, and then you do one cut top, one cut bottom, and then you pull out, um, the excess. Um, but I, I like the idea of just making the, the cuts, um, shallow and then and then defining them with another tool because what would happen is at some point i would screw up the grout work and it would it would it would go the the definition would go away so it was a lot harder for me to kind of um find that space where it would look more professional not in professional in diorama work but professional in what bricks should look like laid out yeah yeah it's it's one of those things where i think if you go into doing brickwork 
and by you, I mean anyone doing dioramas, and you say, this is going to suck, I hate this, you shouldn't even do it because it's the basis for everything looking good. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're doing a brick building and, you know, there's going to be windows and maybe there's going to be some, like, decorative kind of facade work that goes over the bricks, uh, there's a door, whatever, all those other things could look great if the bricks don't look good, the diorama is not going to look as good as it should or as right. good as it could. So it's really a patience thing. You have to say, this is part of this process. If I want this piece to look as good as it can, the bricks have to be pretty much perfect. And if they're not, then you can really, so I'm, I've also, I'm somebody who feels like, most of the time, there's been a few times where I've had to scrap things. Most of the time, if I mess something up, I tell myself, you have to figure out a way to still use this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if for some reason, one of my brick lines was not 90 degrees, maybe then I say, if it wasn't a commission piece, all right, here's where the brick wall is going to break down. And now it's going to be a destroyed part of the wall because I can't just take this piece of foam and scrap it because I made, or I could just say, okay, this was only going to be a one-sided dial. So guess what? We're flipping this guy over and we're just going to do the bricks on the other side where you can't see the mistake I made mm-hmm. because I don't want to waste any of that, any of that stuff. And I have probably way too many bags of scraps. I of have, foam. <laughs> I had like a whole like um, cabinet, like one of the, the drawer cabinet of just like yeah. the scrap. Cause like, as I would cut or, or make changes and things, like I throw all the scraps in there. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can make rocks out of these or I can make rubble out exactly. of these and stuff like that. Um, I want to ask you, you have a destroyed cell. I think I see it in your background. Um, yeah. Behind you. I can, I can bring it closer to you. Um, I was looking at it on eBay and I think, I think one of the questions that I, that I think people are interested in is, they look at it and like you're describing your artwork great. Like, you know, your process, like that is just stunning. Like Thank you. seeing it in person, like in person on the thing um, <laughs> with the, with the light at the top. And, wow. There goes the magnets. Okay. So <laughs> these is are it okay? <laughs> but I will tell you something else that I just recently learned. So, these magnets are the magnets from Walmart that you can get. Yeah. They're, they're, you can definitely build a magnetized dial that works well, but there are way better magnets available on Amazon for mm-hmm. a way better price that are extremely strong. So that would not have happened if I used those magnets Stronger, on this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's another thing that people should consider too when they're going to make these is that you know the quality of your materials are important and you know um it's it's just something that you you learn over time like what you like and what you don't like so now let me try this again (laughs) it does it looks great thank you i was going to show you that destroyed piece like this it's going to go again this right here comes out and it just, you can just place it. So it's um, just, car- the bottom looks horrible. It's cardstock. No, that's fine. It's, it's interesting then, to see it. Like, yeah. And so I wanted it to be, you know, like there's, this is actual dirt on, on there. Mm-hmm. And 
and the foam chunks. And then I put, I was telling you, I had some expired 3d printer filament. Yeah. So that's what the, uh, what is it called? The, um, uh, rebar, rebar is from simulation is, it's just filament that I couldn't actually print with anymore. Okay. So I decided like, all right, well, this kind of looks like rebar. If I, uh, cause it's black filament and then I would just slight, lightly dry brush some silver on it. Um, but yeah, so this was actually, this is, a, and if you put a light on top of this, it will, it will ship that's backlit. Yeah. So it'll shine. But it's, this is from the episode of X-Men where Magneto bursts into Beast's uh, prison cell. But uh, I don't have, I, I was going to try to make a 3D printed like bunk bed for it, but in the detolf dimensions, it wouldn't have actually been in 112 scale. Gotcha. So I just didn't do it, but um. Yeah, that's where that, that comes from. What I was going to ask about that one is like people. So, so we're we're talking like it's it's foam that comes from from uh you know Home Depot or whatever hardware store you're you're using. You know, yeah, Home Depot. It's it's you know you're mentioning Mod Podge, you know, to seal it, and you you're mentioning all this stuff, which seems like you could go to Home Depot or Walmart and get everything yourself. And like you said, like introducing it, and then people look at the price. Um, yeah. And it, they're high. They're 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 incredibly high priced, but yes. for good reason, I think. Um, yeah. Like having done the work myself, and like how much time it takes, and the effort, and the the time. Because I would work at night too, and I would go some nights until the sun came up, and like my ex wife would be going to work, and and I'd be just crawling into bed, going, "All right, I'm going to sleep for a few hours before I have to go to the day job." Yeah. Um, it's like, I, th- I think that that is important. That's one of the things I wanted to bring up. I think it's important how much time goes into pieces like that, where it's not just cut, cut, paint and walk away. It's, mm-hmm. it's figuring out, you know, what extra pieces like the broken filament, the extra scrap, um, figuring out how to paint with dirt, um, mm-hmm. mixing it into your paint and then using it as texture. I think, those kind of things that you're practicing and you're learning, I think that that all has to factor in. And I think that people look at it and go, it's a toy or it's a background. And you're like, no, it's, it's actually a piece of art that, yeah. you know, like you said, you know, 20 hours into that, the, the, the background piece, you know, what's your average build time for, you know, a diorama for a detoff, which that isn't highly detailed, but a little simpler. I I tell people I like to, um, under promise over deliver. Want to make sure I'm saying that right. Um, (laughs) so I'll tell people four to six weeks for a dial, like when they commission it from when I actually started. Cause so when someone right now, I'm fortunate to have a waiting list. So when someone comes to me, I'll, I'll add them to the waiting list, but I tell them like, once I get to your spot, we will have the conversation about, um, you know, what, how long it's going to take. Usually beforehand, they've already seen like a concept sketch and they've agreed to price, but sometimes like I'll re cause sometimes it'll be a few months before I can get to someone's project. Mm-hmm. So we'll have like a refresher conversation and, um, you know, I- I'll explain to them pricing and everything like that. But, um, with the, with, with the time, sometimes it depends on how busy the rest of my life is. Um, sometimes I'll be able to do something like that in less than two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it will take longer. 
it, it also depends on the different components of the diorama. So on my Instagram, there's a, there's a, and I can, if you, if you don't mind, I can share my screen and just like show you what I'm actually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I have your Instagram pulled up too. So if you want to tell okay. me. Yeah. So it's a while back, but there okay. was dojos that I did. Yeah. No, no. With snake eye. Did you have snake eyes in it? Yeah, yeah, so there's three different versions of that dojo that I ended up doing. I think I I've done like, yeah, yep, I got so it. The more, yeah, the most recent one with like Batman fighting the ninja or those three ninjas like fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that piece that has rafters in it that the ninjas can actually stand on, yeah. and the first version didn't have that. And it also, every single piece gets painted individually first and then glued together mm-hmm. because if i don't do it that way there's a chance that i'm going to get paint bleeding from like that dark wood color to the light um tan kind of back um you know wall so this is a detolf piece and so it's it's also about the process and the order of how things have to happen in order to get that final piece so for me to make it look the way that it does, I have to paint all those things separately. So the first thing I have to do is like get it all laid out in pink. Then I have to say, okay, all these things have to get primed. Some of the, so like the wood beams, I'm going to prime in black, the regular wall pieces. If I prime them in black, it's going to take me like 16 coats of that color to make the black go away. So I'm going to prime it in brown. So then I prime everything separately. Then I have to paint everything separately then I have to install the windows. Um, then I have to like that um, sign that's on the dojo with the Japanese symbol. Yeah, that has to get you now. That's cardstock. I soak that in coffee. I have to bake that. Then I have to hand draw the Japanese symbol. Um, so there is an incredible amount of work that goes into these things, and I enjoy doing it. But if I'm going to do it as like the side hobby business I'm doing, I have to charge appropriately. Otherwise, oh, of course. Yeah. So that that is something that uh, I think people who are new to seeing what a diorama is, it may take time for them to understand that. And if they don't understand that in the beginning, that's okay. We may not do business now. Maybe we'll do business later. Maybe we won't. But ultimately it's their money. And if they don't want to, you know, if they don't want to spend that much money on their, uh, on their diorama, that's okay with me. But my mindset is we're, you know, we're adult collectors. And if you're willing to, let's say I'm just getting into mythic legions, I don't have any yet, but I, I realize now that that, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. They're very scarce and you can't buy them on the secondary market unless you want to just, pay a fortune. Um, but so let's say you are a mythic legions collector and you have, um, you know, bought some more expensive ones on the secondary market. Let's say you bought a $200 figure. Do you want that to just sit on your shelf or do you want to put that thing that you spent so much money on into a world that it belongs in and enjoy it in a place where it actually belongs? So to me, I want it in a world that it belongs in, although I say that and I don't actually have that many of my own dioramas, but that's just because like I, I make them and, you know, people want to buy them and, you know, yeah. uh, eventually like I do, I do have one that I, it's a big warehouse that I keep for myself just to play around with photography and stuff. 
But I, I just think if you're even Marvel Legends, if you have a hundred Marvel Legends, if you just average that they're twenty dollars each, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about a lot of money. Yeah. And so, like, don't you? In my opinion, like, don't you want a place for them to rightfully kind of exist rather than a shelf? Um, which you know, everyone ha- who has shelf displays, those can look cool too. But I just think it adds so much more to the collection you've already invested in. And it's a one of a kind thing. Even if somebody else makes a dojo that looks similar to mine, it's still not the one I made. It's still not the one Lawless Studios made or High School Creations or Terraform or any, anybody. Um, so it's a cool thing that is unique to your collection that nobody else has. And you were just talking about how in the collection world, we all are trying to get these same things that we all want right. and we want to ahead of time if you get a diorama made by somebody that is a skilled diorama artist that is something that only you are going to have even if they even if you know i make five or ten of of one which is the most i've made of a single one um there's only 10 of them right that's it there's exclusivity now do you also do um like not just the builds themselves so not just like you know, you made the dojo or you made the breakout or you, you made the rooftop. Are you working on doing like pieces for, for extra stuff? Like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. All I can see is Jay Hernandez's video games in the background of his stuff. Oh Um, yeah. Like like prime to the first makes the video game cabinets and, um, but like other like accessory, I get accessories. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, let me show you real quick. So, I don't, I have some 3D printed things that I've designed myself accessory wise. And then there's some that I didn't. So like these fire hydrants, mm-hmm. I didn't design these. These are on a site called Thingiverse. Yep. Yep. And uh, they were already in one twelve scale. So I said like, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I still have to print this. It's a free file that someone uploaded there. I still have to print it. I have to paint it. I have to make it look cool. This one's just straight up red. Um, so I, the, for certain things like that, uh, I will just use a file like that. But then there's other things like the milk crates. Yeah. Other people have made these. Um, this one I did design. So I have these. Um, I have, let's see what else. I used to have, so, oh, I have these katana racks that I designed. So if you have your articulated icons, ninjas, and then you want to like put their weapon somewhere, nice. I have these that I designed. Um, and then there's all kinds of other, oh, here's these little like stacks of gold, oops, stacks of gold bars. Oh, that's really cool. Thanks. Uh, really simple to design something like that. But so I have little stuff like that. And then I have wooden crates that you know terraformer and uh marvelous nick do such a good job and there's so many people now doing crates kind of similar to what you said before where you felt like you know you were just doing something now everyone's kind of doing it yeah that's the way i felt with crates i started doing them and then it seemed like everyone else was doing them too which is is cool because they are fun to do and uh so i have i sell those wooden crates I get the oil barrels from, it's from the dollar store. They come with slime in them. them, Yeah. I bought a bunch of them at Christmas. I bought like a dozen of them. And those things are really simple to do. Um, And and another thing too, going back to the work that goes in the dios, 
I feel like if you are interested in dioramas, you should at least try to make one, yeah. even if it's just like a brick wall, because that will also help people understand like what goes into it, but also it's fun. And even if it doesn't come out the way you wanted, you could either decide like, yeah, this is not for me or maybe that doesn't look the greatest, but I feel like proud of what I tried to do with it and I still can enjoy it and put my figures on it on my desk or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, it's something that is, everyone could at least try. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd start them with a brick wall. <laughs> yeah. You, you'd yeah. get them out. They'd be like, all right, half an hour in, they'd be like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I, I think for me, for me, the gateway was, um, uh, masters. Um, mm. I don't know if I have, let me see if I can show you. Sorry. I'll show off what my work. Um, not that it's anywhere near what you've done. Um, you're very kind. I no, I'm I'm serious. Like I I am in complete awe of the stuff that that people um in 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 the Dio community, especially you, have you. put out there and kind of shown off. I don't have it on my computer. Um I don't have it on this computer. I have it on my phone. Let me see if I can pull it. So I started working on it when I needed to do um I wanted something to go with Masters of the Universe and I never thought that the Masters Classics would um really uh I don't know if you'll be able to see it with the phone, but um Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. So I wanted to do the slime pit. So I oh, I cool. found pictures of the slime pit. It's like hundred percent um and then I thought if I'm gonna do the slime pit, I'm gonna put it together with the fright zone. Oh, cool. So I still have those two pieces. And then I got ambitious and I was like, well, I want a diorama for my, um, my Thundercats and what would be better than, than Mamara's temple. And so I started working on that. That looks sweet. And, and, and that's where I found out where water is expensive. So I just, I just threw a bunch of glue sticks in the oven on a nonstick tray and then poured it into the mold because the glue sticks were like five bucks for like a hundred or, you know, something yeah. wacky like that. And if you painted it with, um, uh, uh, stained glass paint, um, it would, sh- it would, it would give the translucency of water. So oh, it, was cool. like, it was like, but then like, I still have it and I love it. Um, but the problem was I now don't have any place to put it. So I like the idea of like you creating these things that are for the detox because even if you don't have that, you yeah. somewhere in your house you have the space for that. Um, right. It doesn't take up a lot of space, so um, you're creating this like these little encapsulated pieces that people can use, you know, in their living room or on their mantle or in on their desk or you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's. That's one of the things that is so fun because a detolf, I think um, sometimes people think of a detolf dial as something you can't use for toy photography, which is not true. It is more challenging because it's not as big, but it is big enough to do some cool things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like you said, the storage aspect of it, not most people don't have a whole dedicated room to, you know, display dios and, and keep them up all the time. So that's another reason why all of mine, for the most part, are magnetized. 
because you can just take them apart, stack the six or seven inches of foam, you know, on top of each other and like put it in your closet until you're ready to actually take it out and use it again. Is there, when, when you sell some of the customs and like you said, you stack them away, um, is there uh, uh, maintenance or care that you kind of help your customers with or is that a piece of it? Because yeah. I know from storing some of my stuff, even if they're sealed, like my stuff from 10 years ago, 10 years is a long time. Some of the paint yeah. starts to chip or it scratches or things like that. So is there like maintenance that you help the customers with? Yeah. So specifically when I, when I send, especially commissions, I will write a letter that goes in the box and it explains what you're getting, what the whole piece is, what, how many different components there are, what they're made out of. If they're, I use a polyurethane Minowax um, spray to seal my dials. And normally like if you use aerosol sprays, a lot of the times they will eat the foam, Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, this doesn't eat the foam and it doesn't, it says it's a, what is, what do they call it? Um, why am I forgetting that? It's a, it, it ends up being a matte finish, but it says it's like a shine kind of a finish. Mm-hmm. I'm like a gloss finish. It's not a oh, satin. That's what they call it. Um, okay. and it's actually a matte finish on the foam. I used to use Mod Podge, but I, it would really frustrate me because the piece would look the way I wanted it to before I sealed it. And then I would seal it and it would be even with the matte Mod Podge, it seemed to me like there was this shine to it that I really didn't want. So um, tech chucker who does this week in dioramas on, um, YouTube, he did this video about using uh, Minowax polyurethane, which is like $7 a can. And, uh, so I use that and that really has helped me with maintaining, you know, my pieces over time. But I do tell people if you have a diorama out, and this was a tip I got from lawless studios. If you have a diorama out, let's say for a few weeks and especially when it's not sealed. If there's figures just standing on it for a long period of time, if you take your figures off, you might hear like this um, uh, peeling kind of sound. And the paint from the dial will peel off onto your figure's feet, like the bottom of their feet or whatever part is touching the dial if it's not sealed. Um, So even when it is sealed, it's a good idea to at least take the figures off to, you know, if you're dusting your shelves or whatever you're doing, just take the figures off every, I mean, even if it was once a month, it's just going to really help the longevity of making sure that your piece doesn't have that paint peeling, but it shouldn't if it's sealed properly. Mm -hmm. Um, It can still happen. You know, there's all kinds of things we were talking about, humidity and all these other things, but yeah, I mean, if you spend that much money on something, you definitely want it to last. And so I try to, I do give people instructions about, you know, take it, take the figures off every so often and, um, you know, try to make sure that, you know, you're not, when you're placing things, you know, you don't, you, cause you can, even a painted piece, like let's say I had my juggernaut figure and he slipped out of my hand and crashed into the piece, it might dent it and then you're going to see pink, you yeah. know, potentially. Um, so it's just a, the type of thing where it's not a playset that you bought in the store that's molded in a plastic mold that you could smash up and it's really not going to break very easily. Right. You just have to handle them with care. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that that's one of the biggest takeaways that I tell people if they ask about dial stuff or stuff. I say, um, 
one, you got to be careful with it. But two, don't use aerosols. Um, yeah, I, I, car- yeah. I did a I did a rooftop and I had carved for three and three quarter figures. So it was smaller. So I'd carved out like a, a big exhaust fan that I took off a computer and put it in a box, you know, and, and, and did all the brickwork and everything. Did a really good job on it. And I took it outside for primer. So I sprayed it outside and then went back inside came out like an hour later and I was like, everything just looked like it melted. And oh, and man. I was like, Oh, come on. Like I just, it just, it melted. It literally just ate the foam. Like it just ate it. So it's like, yeah, you gotta be careful with aerosols for sure. Um, learn that yeah, the hard that, way. That hurts me even just hearing you <laughs> say that. Cause I know what that could have felt like. That's not fun. I spent a week carving everything and redoing everything, getting everything right. And then I was like, okay yeah yeah it It almost makes you just be like i don't know if i want to do this yeah i know (laughs) no but i kept going for like two years like a year and a half i i was i was really into it um yeah and it it does it's the it's the it's a time piece and it's the other thing is like when i say when i look at the prices for these things um and and i look at it and i go that's time i that an artist that does a really good job with it is doing it and it's time that I don't have to spend on it. So I'm right. willing to put that in. And the other thing is, it's like, and I say this all the time when I look at people that do some of the graphic design stuff where they, they the, the photographers that put in wires and there's, I forget who it is. I think it's Black Series, like BLK Series on TikTok. I think it's who it is. Um where he poses everybody out with like, cause I've got the basketball hoop back there too with it. And he's got people dunking and people watching. Oh, so he's yeah. got wires holding it all up, but then he's got to go mm. with Photoshop and remove all that stuff. And, and I look at it and go, all right, that's great. It's probably going to take you 30 minutes. It's going to take me three hours because I've got to figure out the tool and then try it and then fix it and then try it and then fix it. So like when I look at diorama work, um, th- I look at it and go, okay, it may take him two weeks. It would take me four. And what else could I be doing with my time that I'm willing to put in the investment into it? Because I feel like it's an investment. Um, when I look at stuff like, like the work that yeah. you're doing, it's an investment into your, like you said, it's an investment into your collection. It's sometimes it's a one of a kind piece that nobody else is going to have, and it's also like a, a bragging right. So it's like yeah. when you wrap all that stuff up, it, it's it's definitely worth it. Like I just paid $100 for a four-inch figure. But, yeah. but I'm like, I could probably do it, but you're going to do it much better. And I'm going to be so much happier because it's going to look so much better too. Like there's pride in some of the work, but it's like I also want something that looks really cool. <laughs> Also in the, in the way of the world right now, I think we all even maybe get more excited in getting something like that in the mail. Like that could really make your day. That was not a good day. Awesome. Yeah. And so instead of all the headaches of having to put that together yourself and maybe at certain points, doubting yourself, not knowing if you're going to do a good job, you pay somebody else to do it. It shows up in the mail, hopefully on time, (laughs) hopefully not damaged. Um, and you open it up and you're like, Oh my God, it's the final product. I love it. Hopefully. And it's here right now. And all I had to do was commission somebody to make it for me. And now it's done. Um, it's yeah, it's, 
it's something that I think is incredibly fun. I just think it adds so much more fun to the hobby when you have that in in my opinion. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, so I I can go on for hours. Like I love talking about this stuff and I hope you didn't mind me showing you some of my stuff. It's just, just from the point point of reference to be like, I tried this. What do you think of that? And I think that's the fun conversations we get when we, when we delve into this, because like, it doesn't feel like I know where my level is. It's nowhere near yours. It's more like, what would you do? How would you fix this? Is, is the, it's like a student, like an apprentice kind of like, you know, when I, when I talk to other people that are doing custom stuff or diorama stuff, it's always from a place of like respect and going like, Hey, um, your work's really good. Can you give me some feedback to kind of help me make it better? How to make yeah. my skill level better? And it, and it goes back to what everybody always says about anything. At a certain point, we all were beginners or yeah. we were all trying to, you know, find our way from beginner to intermediate to whatever. And you, you know, one of the things I want to always be is like humble and helpful to people because people have been that way to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any of these pieces you see if people weren't willing to like give me tips. And when I asked, and so if I can help somebody, I'd like to. And, um, you know, if, if I, I think that's, what's the fun of this is that anyone could try to make a dial. And if you do that, you, you know, you want to talk to other people about it. It just comes with the territory. Like it's, Oh, that looks really cool. And that's one of my favorite things about my Instagram is following everybody else and seeing like all these cool things that I never would have thought of that they made. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, whoa, like that is a crazy Mortal Kombat, whatever. Um, you know, like uh, I saw one yesterday. I can't remember who made it. And it was just like, I would never have thought to make that. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? So, um, so uh, we're at the end of, we, we went longer than I thought we were going to, which is great. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like we could, I could go for more hour, like hours about this stuff. I'd love it. I yeah. hope everybody's found it interesting. Um, can you want to tell everybody where they can find you, um, where they can, you know, buy a piece or, or talk to you or reach out to you? Sure. Yeah. So we, well, I, I say we, it's, it's me. Um, I do it all the time too. <laughs> I'm Vincent. I don't think I introduced myself, which was bad form on my part. Um, and so Vasco Toys is my diorama artist page. And you can find that you know, us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Vasco Toys on all of those. And then, so what we usually sell directly through Instagram, like people just DM us, I'll send them my PayPal info mm-hmm. and then we'll work that way. But I do also have an eBay if you search Vasco toys, it should come up. It's also linked in all my profiles. And basically if a piece is made, it doesn't get immediately picked up off of Instagram. Then I will, after a while, list it on eBay and then um, anybody can get it. And the, and the cool thing about that is that's the way I do international business. So if somebody wants to buy something from overseas, eBay has a pretty, uh, pretty good international shipping program. So that's how I do, uh, international work for people. Great. Um, yeah. thank you for taking the time today. It was really great to, to hear, you know, a lot about your craft and, and the art that you're putting out there. I, I, it's art. Like there's, there's no doubt it's art. Um, and it's, it's, it's such a nice, um, like, uh, addition 
to to the action figure community um, that I think is just full of a lot of positivity. So I'm really happy that you had time to join us today. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for the invitation. It was a pleasure. And um, I'm looking forward to, you know, continuing to talk to you in the future, yeah. follow you on Instagram, listen to the other podcasts. So you do a great job. Thank you so much. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk soon. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Absolutely. This podcast was brought to you by Jackson Studios. Jax!